This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. But they can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. It's available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. And again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. We are so glad that you could join us tonight for This Family Tree, episode 140. And I know I flubbed that, but I was just trying so hard not to laugh. It's good. Alex is listening to her own voice in headphones, and it is affecting how self-conscious you are, maybe on the mic. Or Very, maybe, you're, maybe you're less self-conscious. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it feels weird. We have a great episode lined up tonight. Shane, we have Chloe Hatch, who is one of our favorite TV stars. And if you're unsure who Chloe Hatch is, you need to go right now and watch Love on the Spectrum because you are going to fall in love with her on this show. Shane, how would you describe Love on the Spectrum as a show? It's it's probably the realest reality show. We get into that too, how she thought maybe there'd be some producer manipulation or some storylines or fancy editing. And the show's just not that and it, it was just very interesting to see people who don't necessarily follow the air quote rules of dating or maybe uh, social behaviors that are more commonplace and they just say what's on their mind and mm-hmm. and I, I don't know I, I found it fascinating and she, and she got into how it's it's a little bit tricky for her because she's one of those people on the spectrum who dates uh, neurotypical people in addition to neurodivergent people. So she she has a little bit of a challenge when she does date people who mm-hmm. aren't on the spectrum because there is a, a lot of smoke and mirrors or there can be. Mm-hmm. No, a, she was amazing. She was super forthcoming and so endearing and awesome to talk to you. You are really going to love this interview. But Shane, baby, Cheers. Cheers. We got our non-alcoholic cocktail for the night. We are doing Ooh. a seedlip sour. That's with seedlip garden 108. Oh yeah. And kicking back alcohol free because that's a good weeknight move. Yeah, and I feel like every time I'm having a seedlip, I'm like, ooh, I could really use it because I've been <laughs> on a bender. But I really like. I, I just got back from a bachelor party. Yeah. And if there was ever a time in my life I felt like I needed a drink to unwind, but did absolutely not want to drink an alcoholic <laughs> drink, it would be tonight. <laughs> I'm feeling depleted. It was three days, three days of constant partying. Like, what are you, yeah. 25? I don't, I think that's just the norm on bachelor parties. But three days felt long. You ask yeah. me, I think the kids make it feel long. Being at home with the kids alone for three days is like hard. And then I think also being in the partying position, partying for three days is like, hard are we still doing a seedla bad read right now or no no we're, no, we're, no, we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> it's not an ad read it's just product placement i'm just being honest here 
but I, I, it's a product we stand by. But yes, you missed me while we were gone. Oh, no, that's beside the point. I'm saying like partying for three days when you're almost 40 is tricky. Yeah. How do you feel right now? Do you still feel hungover? Yeah, no dopamine, no serotonin, no good feeling. I Like shooting the show now, I have to get back into shooting the sketch show. For people who don't know, I'm in the middle of doing a sketch show and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time on camera for me. Mm-hmm. And I want to look and feel my best. And right now, I look and feel my worst. Yeah, you look like the alien from Men in Black as the movie progresses. You know how skin starts. I'm joking. That's not nice to say. I'm joking. I just love Men in Black references. I I don't get to make them. You love Men in Black way too much. It's weird. The movies you love, there's like, I think there's about six really weird ones that you love. Well, what else is really weird? Oh, there's some weird ones. What's another one? It's okay. Um, uh, No, it's, yeah, your family. Shane, a lot of them are classics. I'd say all of them are classics. The classic ones aren't weird. I'm talking about um, what's the Meryl Streep one where she, Julia Childs, Julia, Julia. Oh, it's just. I'm not, that's more of my parents. It's a good movie too, by the way. And I'm, I'm not even saying they're wrong. It's just, there's, there's five or six movies that you and your family and you're kind of. Whatever your family's into, you tend to gravitate towards. There's some weird ones in there. Mm. I'm trying to think. Men in Black. It's classic. What are the other ones, though? Name one more. Okay. Three Amigos. Okay. Three Amigos. Classic. Yes. But there's other ones. Um, Zoolander. Yeah. No, that makes sense to me. All right. I'll get off the topic. (laughs) But, yeah. I missed you while you were gone. Obviously. As one does, right? So it's like, I'm, not only do I miss your help, because that's a huge part of it. I miss your help at bedtime. The presence that you have, I guess your lack of presence is very, very felt, mm. right? Because not only do I have to do everything with the kids, it's like at the end of the day, there's nobody to chat with as an adult to kind of decompress with. So your absence is felt in that way too, because I can't just like kick back with somebody. You know what I mean? What was the best part of my lack of presence? Mm, It was chill. It was chill. It was very relaxed and it felt nice. And this is actually the very first time that you've gone. It's been getting progressively better. So we just, we celebrated our anniversary kind of. We had six years (laughs) anniversary while you were on your bachelor trip. And over the six years, I felt like I have been getting so much better at being on my own. And this time was like by far the best and I knew it was going to be good because right before you were leaving I wasn't feeling the anxiety that I used to feel which would come out and like me uh, I think being more temperamental with you and being less patient and I was I was feeling really good and then when you were gone I was like feeling very chilled out and I got into a new show fell in love with Mae Martin and then would listen to ASMR to go to sleep it was kind of a nice routine what time's the bedtime uh okay so one night it was 9 p.m. Nice. Fell asleep by 9.20. And then the other nights it was like between 10 and 11. Okay. But yeah, it was good. That's good. No, it, it felt really good. And I was very proud of myself because I do think I've come a long way. And I want to ask from your perspective, do you think that I've changed? Have you seen a change in my chill over the years? Chiller, yes. You're still odd when it comes to that stuff. But Get at, I'm, I'm pretty good. How was my messaging while I was gone? okay it was okay you were like so close to being great 
and then you missed a good night on Saturday night, and it really bummed me out. No, because you me did. Out. You did the worst move. Okay, what did I do? I'm around people all the time. Yeah. Oh, I know Alex what sends say. a nude photo. It to wasn't. Me. It was topless. Top. Okay, so yeah, you're right because in Ontario that's a legal photo, but. Still, it's salacious to a lot of men, maybe. It, it wasn't. Or people. People would think I was looking at porn on my phone. So I'm just texting. Then I see this. And it's when you were uh, breastfeeding. So I, that was the point of it. <laughs> yours. That Yeah. The text was something to the effect of, look at how big my boobs are when I was breastfeeding or something. I couldn't even read the message because <laughs> my friends are around. I'm like, ah, I just start scrolling. I need to get away. And I was always around someone the entire time that I could never look at the message or message you for the rest of the night. Here's the thing. You do go back to your hotel room and you either take a crap, you take a pee at no. the bar or the hotel. No. And right before, you're not sleeping in the same bed as Sean, your room buddy. So you can look at it a when you of, have your phone right there at nighttime, Shane. No, a lot of the times <laughs> I passed out in the hotel lobby. You did not. I did. With my friends. What do you mean? Well, if if you let me uh, explain instead of judging me. <laughs> I'm judging you hard. So every night I would go back to the hotel and order White Castle or some other Uber Eats. And then Uber Eats would play this game with me. Mm-hmm. It would say your food will be there in half an hour. Mm-hmm. Then it would say 45 minutes. Then it would say an hour. Mm-hmm. So a 3 a.m. order all of a sudden led me till what time do you think? Five. 5.45 a.m. I set my alarm, everything, because then I'm just dying for the White Castle. I need the White Castle. That Harold and Kumar movie really affected me (laughs) when I was a kid. And one time they had uh, White Castle in supermarkets. Right. And then I was so excited. And I don't I didn't even like onions or anything, but the movie just made the onions in in the burger so good. And then I would I would heat up the burger in the microwave and eat it but then they stopped selling them in supermarkets in Canada and now I'm just obsessed with White Castle for some reason I stayed up till 5 45 and then it's just I, I, <laughs> I I'm transported to my bed I forgot like there's like videos of me just sleeping in the lobby so your friends weren't sleeping also in the lobby they were laughing at you taking videos of you no they were sleeping too they would wake up and go haha they're Shane and take a video so wait, who else would be in the lobby sleeping me uh, Rob Ascula yeah, and uh, John Poplis because <laughs> I was buying. So they're excited. They want the White Castle too. Rob and I, yeah. my friend who videotaped me, we once drove to Chicago, which is mm-hmm. si- six hours, seven hours maybe from here, got White Castle and drove right back. That's an amazing story and I don't doubt it for a second. <laughs> it's the shortest, most amazing story. No, but I, I don't doubt it for a second because you and I have done similar things. We did the similar thing just to measure the size of a shuffleboard table. Yeah. Um, but but hold on. So in this time, from when I'm messaging you and saying, I love you, good night, you don't go to take a pee and text me back? I couldn't, I couldn't look at the message. Even Shane, in, you go pee in a stall. Don't do it at the trough. Go pee in a stall and text me back. Pretend you're taking a dumpster. I don't like doing that. Why? Sometimes when I pee in the stall, like I'm <laughs> sitting down, the pee gets like under the seat and the goes why, everywhere. Why don't you stand up and pee in the stall? Because then it makes a loud piss noise. <laughs> and then men think I'm hiding in there and I don't want to show my penis or something. Well, maybe you don't. 
I don't want to show it, but I don't want them to know that. <laughs> Why can't you just be like, just texting my wife and then go into the stall? That might be a weird thing to yell before you go in the stall. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in theory it's normal, but these are things that go through my head after I've had a few Molsons. Okay, and let me explain to you why I sent that image in the first place because it wasn't meant to be so salacious. I was going back. I was like thinking about my weaning journey with Betty has been going really good. So I was thinking about all the weaning. I bet I you were sending a photo like that. <laughs> I don't know what? what that you means. wanted a weaning journey of your own. And yeah. uh, okay, I'm gonna show Alex a photo. <laughs> I didn't want this to be salacious. It's <laughs> Pam Anderson circa 1999 here. I, I, it was just a fun picture where I thought my boobs looked oddly big. Alex is like full makeup. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> There's a man at our door right now. Oh my god. <laughs> So we're back. So as I was showing <laughs> Alex the nude picture of herself Topless. with the double Ds, our next door neighbor, Ollie, uh, knocked on the door and he wanted us to help him move a TV. So that's what happened. With direct view of Shane's phone and the image yeah. on it. Um, but, but okay, why I sent it, you know, memory lane, but also how nuts is it that the human body can do that? Can mm -hmm. go like I've never had large breasts ever in my life they expanded to the size of jugs i'm yeah. gonna say that very technical term jugs and now they're back to the normal it's wild yeah i'm imp i'm impressed uh once i got home and there was no one around i looked at it and i was thinking that was impressive <laughs> but, but yeah it's a bad move to send a photo like that when there is, you are in a bachelor party of 25. Well, I thought that you'd have some peeing time alone, Shane, some Never. dumpster time alone, Never. something. Nope. My body wouldn't even allow me to take dumps. I understand. I know you're not lying because I understand that feeling. Because mm -hmm. I know early in our relationship, if when we went to Hawaii, actually, together, we were married also. We were married for a year. We went to Hawaii. I couldn't take a dump in that hotel room because the door i don't know if you remember like the bathroom it wasn't like a wall it was like an art thing and it was paper thin mm -hmm. and i did not go until i knew you were out for like hours want to know a secret what i still smelt it <laughs> i don't even that's how bad you had to dump i was like stop it it was like the bat signal but smell version i was like what is that <laughs> alex okay but i want to ask do you think you did a good job of the whole text, the whole texting while away kind of thing. Yeah. Do you think you met my expectations that you knew? Well, I don't know the whole like text me good night. So I text you good night. Nine hours later, I was just in bed. So I'm thinking this does nothing. What do you mean? Well, if I, I text good night, I want to hear a good night back. I don't just text good night to throw it into the void and then. No, you do. Because here's the reason, okay? So I'm going to sleep many hours earlier than you are. And I want to know that you are thinking about me right before you close your eyes to go to sleep. And right when you wake up in the morning, I am the thing you're thinking about. And if you are not, then fake it for my ego. Okay, fake it. Pretend. And then just the act of pretending I'm the first thing that you're thinking of when you wake up and the last thing you're thinking of before you go to sleep, then you are thinking about me and then my plan works. That's all I want, Shane. I, I didn't text you right before I went to bed. My goodnight messages, they were when I assumed you were asleep and then I would still be partying for five hours after that. 
Well, I know. Ideally, your goodnight messages would be like when you're going to sleep so that I know you get home safe and that you're thinking about me at nighttime. All I'm thinking about is White Castle and what the hell happened to my Uber <laughs> driver. And that that one night where I was up till 545, yeah. I get a message. Oops, your Uber driver got lost and canceled the trip. What? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Did you have any expensive oobs? No, I got tricked by a cab driver though once. Because I saw I saw a pricey price tag. No, that was a cab. And that was from a limo? Yeah. Yeah. So what it was, uh, when you leave the club, right? They they suspect that you're so intoxicated and they think you're a tourist. Which you were and were that they can take you around the block. And it they tried this with Mike Veerman too, who didn't fall for it, because he's very even if he's very, very drunk. He can get really smart about cabs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I've had two beers, I just, I'm very not smart about cabs. <laughs> and I'm bad with directions. And Popolis, he's never going to offer to pay. He's just not that type. He's just long for the ride. He's not doing it malicious. He's just like, mm-hmm. uh, so the cab stops and the guy goes 70 bucks. And it was a $7 cab ride. No, it wasn't. Yeah. And I'm so bad at this. I just go, ha ha, and pay like. And Shane, they, they prey insane. on people. They prey on people like me. And I knew it was trouble when the guy approached me to get in the cab. Because yeah. usually you got to hail it down, do some work. They were like, come with me. And then he was talking about how he was going to Vegas the next day. And of course, he was trying to sell me. <laughs> cocaine. Of course. Everybody tries to sell Shane cocaine. This is a thing. So Shane does not do cocaine. And I do not do cocaine. This is not <laughs> <Cocaine>. a thing. Cocaine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm speaking real weird tonight, but we we do not do drugs. And every time Shane goes out to party, is it the tattoos? Is it the mustache? Is it like, I don't know, your general weird like demeanor? But people always assume that Shane is into cocaine. Do I have a weird demeanor? You can. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, it's probably all the above then. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask because I did a poll on Instagram today. Just because I was like really bummed out that uh, you didn't text me that one night before bed because it, it hurt. I was like, why isn't he thinking about me and whatever? I was in big booby purgatory. <laughs> but that and that does make sense. But I asked people on Instagram and I want to share these answers because I think it is really interesting. So 94% of the people that responded said that they expect to hear from their significant other because some people, 6%. They don't really care. And a few people message me and they're like, oh, I like it when my significant other goes away. I don't have to hear from them. So you have 6% male followers. <laughs> no, actually, a lot of men also were in the 94%. Of course. I'm just joking. I'm being fake Al Bundy here. Um, okay. How many? And I did this in, um, what do you call it? Fractions. What fraction of that 100% of people do you think wants to hear from their partner twice daily? What fraction of that? To wait, I'm, I'm not good with <laughs> what? Okay, wait. Uh, okay, so what? Okay, let's what, do it in thirds. What, what let's per- do it in thirds. Okay, one third. And so two thirds want to hear from their partner at least twice daily. One third says once is fine, and then one third says they want to hear multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. And then the next was that: what percentage of people do you think would have some kind of negative emotion if they didn't get the good night? One third. <laughs> We're back to percentages. Well, I want to go in fractions now. <laughs> I don't we know. We played by your rules before. Just tell me what is it? Ninety percent. 
90% want what? No, 90% of people, if they didn't get that good night text, would feel a negative emotion, like worry, anger, hurt, loneliness, um, sadness, something like that. But like actually be like hurt by it in some way. You know what I mean? Okay. Why don't you feel like, why don't you feel like this? Like, don't you want me to be thinking about you? When I'm gone? And why the hell aren't you thinking about me at night before you go to sleep and first thing in the morning when you wake up? I don't know. I think it's probably because you were raised in a more loving household. So it's a more of an expectation where for me, it's probably some sort of weird block I have. No, no. That's the actual texting. But to for you waking up thinking about me. I probably do. And if you didn't, I probably would be upset. I'm probably, if I was to take the poll, I would be in that, that percentage. Just because I don't give it doesn't mean I <laughs> don't want to take it. <laughs> no, but I... I want I want to know that you're thinking that. You know what I mean? And it really does a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it like if you're going away to party and I'm at home with the kids and everything's going to shit, you're having fun with your buddies and you guys are drinking and whatever and hanging out. It does so much for the person that's at home to be like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm still thinking about you or hey, I'm about to go to bed, but I love you or first thing when you wake up, hey, hey babe, how are you? Whatever. Like one of our friends that was in your group because I pulled my group of friends too, like your friend's wives. And I I gave them an elaborate poll. But some of them, their expectations are a FaceTime Mm -hmm. at night. Yeah. Some of them multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of their partners meet their expectations. None exceed their expectations, but they all meet the expectations. Yeah. (laughs) And. uh, But guess what? What? All of those people go out probably 10 to a hundred times more than me in, in over a year i guarantee they don't have their they don't work with their partner they don't have their partner <laughs> on set for their sketch show they don't watch tv with them all the time they, they some of them probably have separate bedrooms i will take the pepsi challenge versus any of my friends or basically anyone in this city that I probably hang out with my significant other more than anyone. So wait, what you're saying is that you want to forget about me and not text me when you're gone? No, I'm saying it's a little easier though. Once you hang <laughs> like 99.9.5% of my life is hanging out with my significant other. Oh, I love it too, babe. Yeah, I don't complain about it. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. It's different than saying that you like it. I do like it. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. Do you love it? Yeah. Shane, you're my closest uh, friend. I just need a little bit of love. You know, I feel needy. You have a lot of love. You get a lot of love. You probably would get would get more love from me than any other person in the world. I'd hope so. Yeah, but I mean, if you had, if let's say I, I always say got hit by a bus, but let's just say I didn't exist, mm-hmm. and you just had to be with somebody, but I get this special crystal ball, and I can see somehow, right? And I'd be like, oh, these they're not hanging out as much as I would hang out with her. I so, But this guy, he might FaceTime you and say, oh, I love you at bedtime. <laughs> then he goes, does cocaine with the cab driver <laughs> and does Lord knows what. No, you know what? I'd say that you were like, it was just that one bedtime made me sad. Other than that, you met my expectations and I got no complaints. And I think that I was pretty dang chill. Yeah, it was good, but... I got booby blocked and the boobies made it impossible. Okay, so I want to pivot. Still talking about relationships, but I got these questions together thinking about the interview with Chloe because we talk all about dating. Mm-hmm. 
Just one second though, before yeah. we talk about dating with Chloe. You saw when when I was at Iverwind for the Arkells rally, right? Yeah. Imagine you were trying to text like you saw how my time got monopolized with just strange people coming up and talking yeah, to me. Yeah, but those right? were fans. You had lots of fans there. It's not like you're going to Chicago and you've got all these fans coming out of the woodwork. And maybe you had one or two. I the know- pilot wanted a photo <laughs> with me. <laughs> so these are fans of Shane's other podcast with Mike Veerman, who I have a podcast with, and then also Max Kerman, the singer of the Air Kells. Yeah, it's called- I didn't see him getting photos with the pilot. It's called The Best Hang. It's really good. Um, but yeah, that's but, that was hilarious. But, and, and I'm not saying I, I had listeners in Chicago, but- my friends I hadn't seen in a long time. So we we are pretty close when we hang, hang out. So it was like my whole nights were monopolized with friendship. I understand that, but I will not budge from my point of you still take shits. Anyway, I do want to I didn't ask, take any shits. How and many, you, you said you understood that because in Hawaii oh, yeah, you didn't yeah, yeah. shit. How many girls hit on you? Uh, how many girls? If I had to say, I'd say one, maybe. Why maybe? Uh, because people were telling her I had a sketch show and she was in. Indica- were they trying to get her to hit on you? No, I just think in in conversation, the the often a question is, what do you do for a living? And it's like, oh, I do a sketch show. And then I think maybe this person was into comedy too. But I honestly, I don't think I've ever struck up a conversation with a woman ever in my life, single or not. Well, ever. You, you did with me via text. No, I was set up with you. Yeah, but you were given my number and you texted me. Okay, but I'm like, I'll put it to you this way. If if someone said, Shane, you have to give a speech in two weeks. Mm -hmm. I could go and probably command an audience and get some laughs and do some things or whatever. But it'd be a little nerve wracking. That's what dates are like (laughs) to me. I can't have a spontaneous date. I couldn't go to a bar and say, hey, what's a dame like you doing at a (laughs) rum joint? Like or whatever lines are. I don't know. (laughs) But if you if you said, hey, my cousin likes you, which yeah. your cousin lied to me and said you had a crush on me or something, I was like, okay. And I had time to prepare and mentally craft a text and try on outfits with my friends <laughs> and, you know, do all that stuff. And so we went on a date like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I can do that. I'm not saying I'm incapable of social interaction. I cannot do spontaneous acts of flirtation. Well, now I'm kind of pissed at the girl for not flirting with you. Why wasn't she flirting with you? I, I don't want your feelings hurt. Well, I think I put off a definite vibe. Well, it should be a very married vibe. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing my ring. Well, the ring only means as much as the actions. But I'm wearing the ring on my face. <laughs> In Metaphorically speaking, of course. I like that. Yeah. I appreciate that. See, I'm feeling better already, Shane. Mm-hmm. We just need to have this chat with microphones in yeah. front of us. Um, but okay, when it comes to dates, right? Because we're kind of talking about dates now. We talk about dates a lot with Chloe. And she talks about bad dates that she had and, and some good dates. And then I was thinking about worst dates because dates can be awful. I missed the whole um, like online app dating experience because I was dating somebody long term. Then I met you right away. So I didn't have time to go on the apps. But I know how bad they can get from just hearing. But Shane, I was curious about your worst date. And then I want to I give mine. I've got two. Yeah. Um it's tough yeah bad dates were if i felt like i wasn't interested and then sometimes you're trying to be polite and i think there's a perception especially on the dating apps at least early on when i was on them that it's like a hookup app Mm -hmm. so sometimes there was expectations that weren't 
uh, like people would just assume, oh, he's a guy, he just wants to hook up. But often I wouldn't, right? Um, not that anything's wrong with that. It was just like, oh, I don't feel a connection or something. And then if I was, if I would just go home at the end of the night, because I'm a guy, it's like, oh, well, you don't want to go back. And then I'd be like, oh, no. And then it just felt like I was hurting the other person. Right. And so that felt weird. Whereas I, I feel like if it was reversed, a, a man would be like, oh, yeah, that, that's normal. And wouldn't be like, oh, you don't like me. So I, I felt a lot of that type of pressure. And uh, it, it sometimes it would be like argumentative. Mm-hmm. And, and that was... Uh, a, one night in particular it got very argumentative and awkward because you wouldn't go back with this woman yeah and she she had lower self-confidence and she was crying and it was just this thing it's hard yeah yeah and i'm not trying to pop prop myself up to make it seem like i'm some hunk it was just i think there was an expectation or something that i don't know the communicate there's a communication miss thing yeah no that's tough um that's like really hard and like emotionally hard because like mm-hmm. I think about my two worst dates and one it was because I didn't want to go on it in the first place it was a setup blind date and it was my boss's nephew or cousin or something mm-hmm. and I he was like just do it as a favor please and I was like oh my god like this is weird and I felt kind of pressured so I went and this guy just talked about hockey the entire time I hate hockey within the first 30 seconds I was like oh we have nothing in common but like I'm going to have nice conversations with them if I can. So I was trying so hard just to have like a nice time because I'm out. And it was so impossible because anything I'd bring up would literally lead back into hockey. Like he worked in that industry and everything. It was just horrendous. Like so annoying. The second worst date I ever had, I was with a guy. We went out for dinner. One second. Mm -hmm. Back it up. If you were attracted to the hockey guy, would it have made the hockey conversation more interested or were you attracted to this guy and then the hockey conversation turned you off no there was i was not attracted to him at all in any facet if you were would the hockey conversation have been acceptable no it was so bad because it wasn't just like a hockey conversation our entire like two-hour date was all hockey it was just brutal and then when he wasn't talking about hockey didn't know what to say and that kind of felt bad for him so i'd like try to feed him topics it was like it was humiliating Mm -hmm. kind of for him you know what i mean yeah um but yeah the second bad date i went out for dinner with this guy and we see his girlfriend and her new boyfriend sitting across from us and then the guy (laughs) the guy i'm out for dinner with goes oh i uh i gotta go to the bathroom he goes to the quote-unquote bathroom and is there for 10 minutes i had to take a shit okay this is like interesting then time is going on i order a shot because the girlfriend and her new boyfriend are just staring at me like oh where did her date go 40 minutes go by without my freaking date i'm sitting alone at a table in a restaurant and then i go into the bathroom area and i find my date talking on the phone yeah i had a podcast emergency <laughs> this the this was our sixth episode of the podcast and there was a, a big issue with it like, yeah, there was some issue, some legal mm-hmm. issue with the podcast that I had to take care of. So I know you thought I just left and was embarrassed because my ex-girlfriend was there also. <laughs> but I actually had to take care of like a legal thing. Well, you could have let your date know. I did afterwards. And you just thought, what are the odds? I know. I was very understanding at the time. I'm less understanding in retrospect, but I was very understanding at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very in love. And I still am. But Shane, that's all I got. 
Very for good. the top. I say we get to our talk with Chloe Hatch because you sit in on this one. I do. And I must say, this was right before I left on the bachelor trip. So you might be thinking they're a little off their game for the first like 10 to 15 minutes. I didn't feel like I was in any good pocket. I was a little awkward, but I think about halfway through it heats up. It does. And I think it's a really good one, but truly go watch Love on the Spectrum before or after you listen to this interview. It's really good. But before we get to this interview, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh, a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity and they make the best basics that you can get for your kids and now for you too. Not me. She's looking in the mirror at herself who's another woman. That's right. They do not make men's clothing. (laughs) They just came out with a women's collection after only doing children's clothes. It's the M and West collection. And everything in that is just that same simple look that you love from Mini Miosh. Everything's made of French terry and it's still ethically and sustainably produced. Everything from Mini Miosh is made out of organic cotton fabrics that are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. And Shane, what is your favorite thing about Mini Miosh? The way it makes me feel, literally my fingers. It makes my fingers feel good. <laughs> Wait, I sound weird. <laughs> you sound weird. I like touching the fabric is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's a nice soft fabric. Alex, help me. No, Mini Miosh makes the softest clothes you can get in like Lucy will wear one of their dresses out to a fancy dinner or a fancy event and then also to bed. Like they are so versatile. Yeah. So what else am I going to say? I can't wear the clothes. They don't make it for men. <laughs> so yeah, I ha- my fingers have to feel the clothing. You do get rashes quite easily. Like okay. with Like with regular clothes. You know what I mean? But not with mini miosh. I don't, I can't wear mini miosh. No, when you have to put the kids in it. I'm just saying you have sensitive skin, Who Shane. else are we supported by? <laughs> mini miosh is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code, thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US and it's only one use per customer. So load up that cart. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on this. And again, that is minimiosh.com and this family tree 15. We are also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been taking, you know, the reduction of our environmental footprints quite seriously for the past year. We're trying to make a difference. You just put the true in True Earth. (laughs) One way that we've been doing this is by eliminating single-use plastics in our household because with two kids and just like everything that you go through, laundry, garbage, it adds up a ton. What would you do if you saw a single-use plastic walk in this house right now? Oh, I would scream and then swat it with a fly swatter and get it out of here. Mm, Not your funniest answer, but improv's not not your thing. (laughs) Not everyone's good at improv. What would you have said? Alex, we can't spend an hour talking about jokes. (laughs) Anyway, True Earth Laundry Detergent. And I have to say that if you go to their website, you will see a huge, wide-ranging array of products that are sustainable and ethical. And it really is amazing to see all the differences you can make in their house. But Shane and I first discovered them because of the laundry detergent. So their detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips. And you just simply rip them apart and put them in your washer. It is so easy. And the best part is that there is no plastic packaging like they come in this little tiny cardboard case how would you describe it exactly like that 
and it takes up what half inch on your laundry shelf. We have 325 washes, I think, worth of soluble strips and it takes up about five inches so because the packaging is so compact it has drastically changed just like the physical look of our laundry room our house is completely different now (laughs) it's a mess but as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin we typically opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance free and it's gentle on everybody's skin and it's still so tough on dirt our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean but shan and i recently got into their lilac breeze scent (laughs) (laughs) we did shane like it smells so good and every time like we get the laundry out shane gives them a little whiff (laughs) (laughs) i'm touching things i'm snipping them one day i'll be normal with these ad reads just not today But check out True Earth Detergent at True.Earth and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10. <laughs> this fam- <laughs> you can do it. This family tree 10 To get 10% off your order. You are going to love this product. Take our word for it. And again, that's 10% off a one-time order or your entire subscription if you want to get onto their subscription program. But that is True.Earth and This Family Tree 10 And now let's get to our interview with Chloe Hatch. Chloe. I'm Alex. This is my husband, Shane. We are so happy that you are joining us today on this Family Tree podcast. And I want to give you the warmest welcome. You are like our favorite character on Love on the Spectrum. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, no, this is big. So what we loved about that show, because it has been our favorite show on Netflix that we've seen in ages. It is one of the most authentic shows on TV. And because of that, it's just one of the most heartwarming shows. And it's it's addictive because of that. Did you find that watching it back or when you were actually taking part in it? Uh, yeah, like, um, it is very different to the other reality TV shows. Like it seems, well, it is very more real and it's very more laid back. And it's not, there's like no drama. Like it's not, you know how like you're married at first sight and all the other ones, like there's a lot of like fights and drama and there's a lot of things that are made up or exaggerated a bit mm-hmm. well more than a bit quite a lot but that's not that's not what um happened in love in the spectrum like it's a very real and it's just um yeah so it's very different to other reality tv shows but it's i think it's like a um breath of fresh air, fresh air like it's yeah and that's why people like it so much it's because it's so real and it's not fake or heavily edited it seems like you have a pretty good idea of what reality shows are. When you went into it, did you think it was going to be that way or were you expecting it to be heavily manipulated by the producers? No, because when I first applied, it said it was going to be a documentary series. Ah. So I was going to documentary series, like thinking it's a documentary series, but I think once they got all the footage and all that, they edited and they um, decided to make a bit more reality TV-like, so... But yeah, um, when I um, first saw it, I was expecting um, to be sort of like cut as, I don't know, like maybe like Cillian or like someone who I'm not really. And I was expecting um, like some things to be heavily edited and they wasn't, like it was very real. And were you expecting to find a love connection or was did you just go into it not knowing what to expect in that regard? Yeah, I went in not knowing, like, sort of, like, like if I found someone, like, love to connect with, then, yeah, it would be really good. But like, I sort of, like, went in, like, a new experience, and I wanted to make, like, friends and all that. So it was sort of more like a social experience, and, like, something that 
I have never done before, like go on TV and all that. So we sort I wasn't expecting to find a lost connection, but like I was um welcoming it, like I was open to it. So I would kind of want to go back, Chloe, and talk about dating before the show. Because you were young when you went on the show. You're only 23 now. And yeah, I was 19. Yeah, that's wildly young. And I, like, did you date much? What was that like before being on a television show where people like us are sitting there watching you go on dates? I think I was the only one who dated before, like one of the singles who dated before. But yeah, I got kind of like a, um, so um, I dated like a few people, but it didn't really last very long. Do you want to hear the story about my first date? Yes. My first ever So I want to date with a guy. I was think I about 16. He took me to the cinema and we were going to watch, um, he told me we were going to watch like a, um, like a, like a um, sweet, like children's animated show. So it's all good. So we got to the movie theatre, we paid for our tickets. There was nothing, like nothing off. They didn't ask for ID or anything. And we went and we sat in the cinema and that's this party with playing. <laughs> and it was like within the first five minutes, I was thinking like, what the hell is going on? And there was um, mothers with kids and they were leaving. And I'm just messed up. I'm like, wait, what? He, he lied because he said it was going to be like a nice children animated. He took me to the fucking party. And the thing is, we didn't get ID'd or anything. So I didn't think anything was off. off. You know, I thought it was just like a normal, <laughs> normal movie. Like a Pixar we, movie, we yeah. Yeah, then we, I was sat there for like an hour and a half, like however the movie goes, and I was just there like, what the hell? <laughs> and um, the movie ended, and I was like, yeah, bye. And he's like, oh, do you want to get dinner? I'm like, no, bye, I'm going to go. <laughs> bye. So wait, Chloe, out of 10, what do you rate Sausage Party all these years later? <laughs> I guess it, if I would have known and he told me, I probably would have been more prepared, I probably would have liked it. But yeah. like, I was just sat there. Like, what the hell's going on? Because that movie's really, like, that movie's weird. Oh, yeah. That movie's out there. Yeah. Have you seen it? We saw it together when it came out. And, like, we knew it would be the way it was. Like, it's kind of raunchy, right? And Mm -hmm. we knew it would be that way, but it still surpassed my expectations for it. Like, somehow. It was, like, fruits and vegetables and stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember it too well. I think we were having a good time that night. But um, Chloe, I want to ask, like dating as somebody on the spectrum, as an autistic person, especially before the show, is that something that you talk about when you go on a date with somebody? Or is it something that's not necessary to talk about? How do you look at that and how it kind of ties in with your romantic life? Before I used to, um, no, I'm autistic, like quiet, like I'm, Especially on the first day, I wouldn't mention it. That caused some problems because I mentioned on the show that I dated someone and when he found out I was autistic, he was like, yeah, bye. Mm. He went up and left. And that was like, we dated for like a month, but I didn't, um, I didn't think it was like necessary. I didn't, I didn't think I had to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And I kind of learned from that because um, I always try and say, oh yeah, I'm autistic on, on the first or second day. Like I tr- now I try to bring it up because I don't want, that to happen again because that that was actually quite difficult but at first I didn't think I need to bring it up now I kind of have to bring it up and you shouldn't have to bring it up but you have to if you Mm -hmm. understand what I mean yeah Yeah. no absolutely absolutely I do like you shouldn't have to bring it up because it shouldn't 
matter, especially when you like each other, but you kind of have to because especially, I guess, if you think neurodiverse people and neurotypical people, they're going to have different ways possibly of approaching different situations, right? So I guess in some situations, it, it would be good to know so that you can navigate together how best to do things. And how did you get on the show? Like how, not like get on, like applying everything, but what led you to say, hey, this is a cool opportunity for me? Because again, like you were so young when Shane and I watched The Bachelor and stuff, everybody's a little older. So we're always like rooting for marriage at the end or something like that. But you're only 19 and it's not a marriage minded show. So I'm curious what led you to say, hey, let me date publicly. This seems like something cool. I just thought it was a cool opportunity. Do you want to know the story of how I got on? Like, yeah. Like, because it's quite, it's, it, yeah. You know Jimmy Cheney from? Yes. I was friends with him way before the show. I know Jimmy from school. Okay. Um, like seven, eight years ago. And I moved to a different school where I met Cheney's brother. And I became friends with his brother, with her brother. And that's how I met Cheney. And Cheney dated one of my friends. So I knew them before they knew each other. But I didn't get them together. Okay. I wish I did. Like, working white. Like, yeah, I got them together. <laughs> I did. Yeah, so I knew him for a very long time. And we went to the same um, social group. And Jimmy was talking. I, I heard him talking about the show. He said that he wouldn't go on it because he's got um, a girlfriend, like Janae. And I thought, I had him. And I thought, oh, I'm not trying to apply. So I'm, I went on the site. I sent an email. And within an hour, I got um, a reply back. They want, I, um, wanted me to do a video call, so I did a few video calls, and they went out with me. And when they met out with me, they were like, yep, yeah, we want to film you. And they said, do you know anyone else on the spectrum? And I said, I only know a couple, Jimmy and Sinead. And they said, oh, um, we'd like to meet them. So I um, asked Jimmy and Sinead. I gave um, them the number, and yeah. That's awesome. So were you nervous? doing this or are you always kind of out there and like confident in what you do because I could see like that being so fun and cool sounding but I think at the same time I would be like a total ball of nerves you know at one of our flowers I was like, really excited that friends the cameras came and all the equipment and like the boom mic and like the um microphones on and that when I was like oh my god <laughs> get a bit panicked like panicky but like um, we did a few test ones and I and I grew sort of used to the cameras and it was sort of like it doesn't bother me because in the first one I think you could tell I was a bit nervous. The second season, um, second season I was, you know, all over it. I was all over it. I was used to it. I blocked out the cameras, you know. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You can tell and we loved in the second season you and Mark going on the dates because Mark was another favorite of ours. And obviously you guys it said on the show. Like, not together, but still buddies, right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Are we allowed any any juicy gossip or uh, juicy notes on uh, you and Mark? Like, are you guys dating other people right now? Or are you living the single dating life? I could say I'm not entirely sure about Mark. I know he did date another girl, but I don't know if they're still together. But, um, you know, I went on off and dated another person, but... It didn't work out, but yeah, we went to Comic Con recently, and that's why um, last saw Mark. And he was very happy, and we spoke, and yeah, I could say things didn't really work because um, I just, on our first date when we went to the restaurant, I think 
we were sat talking and there was this fly and this fly was circling around my drink when it just went like dove into my drink and I thought it was the most funny thing ever because <laughs> I was laughing like I fell off my chair and I was snorting my voice so funny and Mark was there like oh this is not good like ready to eat um there's a fly in a drink like he did not find it funny at all whereas I was on the floor laughing <laughs> and I think that like we didn't realize it then but that was like kind of like we wouldn't really wouldn't click because I'm very immature I find it the smallest thing funny and he's very very serious and there is like an age gap because I was um 20 and he was 30 so it was so like the age gap was a problem but he's a very nice bloke and I think he's amazing but it just didn't work out no for sure and about humor that like that's so important if you don't have the same type of humor as somebody or like can't laugh at the same things I think that's huge right I laugh at everything he does all day long sometimes at him usually with him but it it does mean a lot and what do you what would you say obviously humor is big for you but what would you say you are looking for or were looking for when you were doing that show in a partner I can say someone who was funny who was nice I dated quite a few people who weren't really that nice. But I just want someone who was nice, understanding, you know. Yeah. Someone who's funny I can laugh with. Are there ways in which dating when you are on the spectrum is harder? And are there ways in which it is easier? And if so, what would be those ways? I could say harder. I could say um, with like the social cues and all that. I'm not good with social cues and... If I'm, I notice when I go on dates with other people who aren't like me, like who has autism or is on spectrum, like it's a lot easier because, um, oh, but like with top hug, oh, say it's a lot easier to understand someone who's on the spectrum than it is someone who's um, neurotypical. Mm-hmm. And like being like neurotypical, I could say oh, what I found with no um, diverse with people on the spectrum, like it's. More, a lot easier talking um, and it's like we don't have to worry about social cues we don't have to worry about pretending like masking or pretending that you're a typical doing things in your typical way and it's sort of like both just be ourselves and it's like a lot less stressful whereas I'm seeing we're dating in your typical nesting where but I have to, like I feel like I have to mark I have to like um, talk about things they're talking about like I can't go off and talk about my special interests like I have to sort of like um pretend and mm. like calm myself down well, now when you say masking that that's what when people pretend that they're neurotypical when they're not yeah. correct now do you find that you still are in situations where you feel like you need to mask or since the show came out do you not do that anymore um yeah I still mask a bit especially like when I'm new people or like when I'm out and about but like I don't mask as much as I do like I'm much more myself now and I'm much more comfortable being Chloe and like um newer than first Chloe but there's still there still are some situations where I do like put a mask and yeah and how has your life changed? Like I, w- I always used to imagine, oh, if I was on a TV show, my life would be totally different afterwards. But uh, a couple of years ago, I got it to be on a TV show and it wasn't popular and my life didn't change at all. 
But you were on a ve- oh, it's in Canada. It was it's called Mike on Much in conversation with, and it was uh, it was kind of like a podcast on TV. But I still thought I was going to be famous somehow, or or recognizable or something. But nothing changed. But your show was so popular, it felt like everyone was talking about it at the same time. Did you notice a significant difference in your lifestyle or anything? Um, to be honest, no. The only um, difference is like people recognize me. But um, when I first um, got on the show, it was um, um, supposed to be in Australia, only like a small thing on ABC. Like it was only supposed to be like a little thing. So I wasn't really expecting much of it. And it was um, quite popular when it came out on ABC, but it wasn't big, big. And Netflix somehow found it and purchased it. And that's when it went, that's when it went, because I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't, I don't think anyone was prepared for that. But it went, it was, went really, really popular. Like it was, I think it was like number one for like a few weeks. Yeah. But like none of us were expecting that. And it was a really big, like, that's when I, um, well, and all the other cast members, we kept getting um, new followers, loads of messages, and it's just that's when it became really big. And that's, yeah, but like my life is still the same. I'll get recognized again, and people send me messages, and but I'm still living like the same life I, I am living. Mm-hmm. And when season two came around, were you like, okay, now I know this is a big deal? Like, do you renegotiate the contract or you're just like, hey, it's not about that? Yeah, it's not about that. But, oh. like, it was sort of like, oh, I guess it. I knew how popular it's going to be. And I knew because I was seeing Mark, I knew that that was going to be really big. And I knew that people were going to be rooting and that people were going to be, like, very, yeah. <laughs> so, especially when I was filming, like, there was, like, pressure. Like, it, I felt like it had to go well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it did go well, but, like, there was, like, this pressure on us. Like, we're, like, people are going to be really, really rooting for us. And we don't want to disappoint anyone. And, yeah. No, I. it is a huge show, and it's funny saying that. Because, like, I honestly, Chloe, don't know anybody who doesn't watch it. Like, all of our family and all of our friends watched it and loved it. And we're rooting for you in whatever that looked like you know what I mean and it was it was really awesome and you mentioned that it's easier dating other people that are on the spectrum because you don't have to mask it's easier to be yourself and I'm curious that outside of the show like the show is set up for people on the spectrum but real dating life obviously is difficult it's hard to navigate and it's not set up for anybody and I was curious if you try to seek out other people that are on the spectrum or if you just kind of date whoever comes your way that you're interested in I just date whoever comes um like my way whoever like like um shows interest like I don't go out and search for someone who is specifically autistic but like if they are like it's a lot easier but like I'll date anyone mm-hmm. as a thing because I've not about I've looks or disability about who the person is their personality and all that if they are neurotypical when it's got dating could be a little bit more difficult but if i really like that person it's gonna be worth it and and if we do get along it shouldn't really be a problem if we laugh yeah no for sure and were there any pros and any cons to being on the show with how your life is kind of 
you know, gone off after or how you interact with people around you, your friends? No, with my friends at the time, yeah. They were all joking and saying, oh, look, you're the famous movie star. <laughs> but like now it's just like the same. Like it's as it was. Like there's nothing really different. And I get recognized a few times and I go out. At first, I, it was too much. Like it, I couldn't really cope. But now, like, I meet, if you come up to me, I smile and have conversation. Like it's a lot more, um, I'm a lot more used to it. But first, it was like, yeah. How hard is it to get diagnosed mm. as being on the spectrum? I find in Canada, it's very difficult. I, I was looking into even getting um, an ADHD, HDHD, uh, what is it? ADHD? ADHD? ADHD diagnosis. And I found it borderline impossible. And I, I heard it's even more difficult if you're a woman. It, did you have a, a difficult experience getting diagnosed? So I was diagnosed at 11. My parents say it was really difficult, but they, they, I think they always knew that I was autistic. And um, it was a bit hard. There's um, a lot of criteria for men, like for um, boys and men, but there's hardly any for women because it's a lot more obvious. Like autism um, symptoms a lot more obvious in men than it is in women. Yeah, because it's really hard for women to get diagnosed, and on the show and on all the um, men got diagnosed at like five, four, you know, six, but really early ages. Whereas women got diagnosed like later, like ten, eleven, twelve. So I think someone got diagnosed at um, sixteen. So mm -hmm. there's a lot less criteria for women, and it's a lot harder. Mm -hmm. I've seen like even just friends of mine uh, with young children. One family's in the process of trying to get their four-year-old daughter diagnosed. And it's so hard because like you said, there are so few markers that they're looking at. And like the parents know their kid, right? Their parents see yeah. the things all the time. But then the second you bring a doctor in, the doctor only sees so much. And yeah. it's it's really tricky and they just want to set her up for success. Well, it's really difficult, but especially because I'm like a doctor, only see so much. And mm because -hmm. um, the parents know more, like the parents being around the child, like all day, every day, and they know, but it's like very hard to compare that to a doctor. Mm -hmm. Beyond just confirming a feeling, like let's say you had suspected maybe I am on the spectrum and, and yeah. having that confirmation, what is an advantage in even having a diagnosis if you are already a high-functioning person on the spectrum? I think it's just like clarification, like confirmation. Like you're like, yes, I know I have this. But yeah, I think it's just like clarification. Like um, still go, like if you get diagnosed, still go on your date, like nothing, um, on your day and nothing's changing on it. I think it's just knowing like the way you think and the way you act, like it's um, not necessarily is because of autism, but it, it, um, it's a factor. And, and it's like, oh, I do this because I'm autistic. And it's sort of like, yeah, just like clarification. Mm -hmm. And Chloe, you seem so self-assured. And I think that's one of the reasons that I think so many people were drawn to you on the show and even in your instagram bio you are a badass pansexual icon i'm like yeah. this girl has more confidence than i have um, in my pinky finger and i want it uh, i think someone treated all with a badass bisexual icon and i was like oh yeah i'm keeping that but um yeah <laughs> no i could yeah like someone treated it at me and i'm like yeah okay 
I know. I love it. I love it so much. And I was curious if like the show brought you this like to a place of like fundamental self-discovery or if that was kind of always who you were, if you were always that self-confident. I wasn't always that self-confident. I don't think the show brought me, like brought me um, some confidence and all that, but like, yeah, I'm a lot more confident now because of the show. I don't think I, if I wasn't on the show, I wouldn't really be confident or as verbal as I am now. Like the show sort of like forced me Mm -hmm. into being like more social more confident and yeah I could say if you met me like what four years ago I would be completely different I'd be like really shy I wouldn't yeah <laughs> be shy I wouldn't talk to anyone I'll just be to myself but now I'm like I'd be, I'd be laughing I'd be talking with everyone I'd be yeah so what's next for you are you are you planning on getting involved in more TV in that industry. I know that you are in uh, comics. You were at Comic Con with Mark. We, you know, we spoke about that. I saw that photo also on your Instagram account. So, what do you hope to start doing? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I don't know if I want to get back into TV. Like it was a good experience, but I just don't think I'm cut out for it. Um, you say, but I do want to be like I kind of like on my bucket list. I want to be like in a TV show or in a movie as like mean girl. Like, it's a really mean, you know. <laughs> no, I do not have the best for life. And, like, I've read it a lot, but, yeah. But I just kind of want to be the mean girl. I want to, like, turn the tables. I just want to be the mean girl for one. See how it feels. I like I it. Yeah, they yeah. do say the villains have more fun on set. Yeah. Like, if it's, like, a superhero movie, playing the villain seems to be the yeah. coveted role by a lot of actors. I could say I would love to be a villain. I think it would be so much fun. A lot. I think it'd be, you know, like playing the hero is good, but like being feeling being bad. Because <laughs> you were saying you wanted to turn the tables in a sense. Is that just yeah. because you are such a nice person, or because you found that you've been bullied in your life? I've been bullied a lot in my life. I don't. I think I'm an alright person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't. I'm not the nicest person, but I'm not like the worst. <laughs> I think I'm just like normal. Mm-hmm. Or normal if you can, but. Yeah, I've been bullied quite a lot, and I just like I, said, I just want to turn the table, see what it feels like, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I I like to think, especially we have two small children, that the age of bullying is going away, and I think that there's somewhat of a misperception among people my age that kids aren't being bullied as much. But then sometimes I'm like, maybe they're being bullied more because this social media age. Like, what what do you think? Like, you're obviously a bit of a social media star now too is the do you (laughs) but still do you do you feel like bullying is going to be able to be like minimized or is it just are trolls just coming out of the woodwork at you i i I don't know how it is to be you okay the bullying is never gonna win it's always gonna be people who um make fun of others and like it's it may diminish but it's never gonna fully go away I think now, because um, there's like all the social media and online, I think a lot more bullying is online than it is in person. Whereas like um, 10, 20, 30 years ago, it was bullying was all like was in person and it was a lot more intense. But I think now you get like some people who um, send horrible messages on Facebook, do rumors and all that. So I think bullying is a lot more online mm-hmm. than it is in person now, but it does still happen in person. But yeah. Good thing I think with technology and all that. 
Are you good at dealing with bullies? Because personally, I am not, especially online. If somebody says something, I let it bother me and then I try to win them over and I give them way too much of my time when I probably should just like block them and get on with my life. But how, how do you deal with it? Like, do you have any strategies? Well, at the start, like I, I got really pretty early and it was sort of like I tried to um, remember if I, I had like a smile and I, I put on a smile and I pretended and I, um, I was I was so nice. I let people go in front of me in the, um, in the lunch crew crew it was queue, and I was like, "Why well, if I'm nice, has not been nice to me?" But nah, did they? That kind of that didn't work, and like my smile faded. Like I didn't smile. I just kept my head down, and hopefully I didn't bump into anyone. No one caused problems, but people caused problems, and it was sort of yeah, you know, like um, my parents. Um, then like my smile faded. Like I went from smiling and. To just being miserable and just because it was like every day in England. I'm from England, so school in England was absolutely awful. It was like every day and there was something, and I'll get my food taken away. I wasn't allowed, to eat, you know, people people steal my food and people comment on my weight. People, I was very very skinny. Like I was, um, and I exit. Like I I was skin and bones because I'm a very picky eater and. The food that I do like that I take to lunch, I take to school, I get taken away. And people say, Oh, you're really fat. Like people say, Oh, you don't need to eat now, you're gonna gain weight. And that's sort of like an incentive for me to give away my food. And um, like, yeah, because it was absolutely awful. But when I moved to Australia, it oh, it's so it's so much different. Like Australians are so chill. Like it's because um I remember um I was in my fan group, I was like, because it was sort of like um it was like routine for me where I, I just give them my food and they were like, why are you giving me your food? You eat it. Like, what? Well, I don't want that. You know? And it was like very, very different. Like, it was a bit hot. Like, it's difficult for me to get used to because I was so used to being bullied and giving away my food in England and in Australia. So, yeah, like, everyone was really nice and it just kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I got used to it and it's like, I just think I was doing like a tiny bit in Australia. They like made fun off it, but nowhere near as bad as I was in England. All right, Chloe, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best bras that you can get your hands on. Shane, do you like their nursing bras better or their everyday collection? It's so hard to pick, but I would say it's a tie. <laughs> and what is your favorite thing about Bravado Designs? The way it makes my fingers feel. <laughs> I love personally that they're just so practical. Um, I had like I struggled with nursing bras. I don't know what it was about the clips, but Bravado designs are really practical. And I mean, getting back to Shane's fingers, they feel so nice. The quality Wait, is my fingers. <laughs> no, how your fingers felt on the bras. OK. And why you like them is essentially because they are just soft and they're high quality. And it, it really is amazing to wear like when I was first nursing Lucy it was really hard for me even to wear a shirt just because I was so raw so I just you know wear no t-shirt or I just hang out in my bravado designs Shane's laughing but he knows what I went through and it was horrible but bravado designs has always been there for nursing mothers and now they're there for women just as we go through life with their new everyday collection so these are bras without clips not just for nursing mothers and they still look and feel amazing 
You cannot change that quality. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. That is, again, bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get back to our talk with Chloe. I wonder if it's because of the weather. I hear the weather in England is quite bad. And sometimes that can just make people be mean, I find. Like L.A. is so chill and New York is so harsh. And I think weather (laughs) is a big factor that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to kind people. It could be. Although we're in Canada and people say Canadians are nice. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, There's a lot of people in England, like very overpopulated. Mm -hmm. There's so many in Australia, like it's a lot bigger in Australia, but there's like less people and it's all spread out. In England, like this, it's so tiny and everyone's all cramped together. I think because everyone's so cramped together and they just don't like people and they're just really, you know, angry and like, oh, there's so many people. But in Australia, (laughs) it's not hardly anyone. Yeah, that's true. Because Toronto, I find there's a misconception that people in Toronto are really nice, but I don't find that You're as much. Worst. So I think it might be right about the uh, the people scenario. The more dense the population, maybe the more mean people are. But speaking of misconceptions, what what do you think some misconceptions about people who are neurodiverse are? Uh, f- for one, I used to think, and I'm embarrassed to admit it, that um, maybe people on the spectrum they didn't feel emotions as greatly and now i come to learn that they just because they're not outwardly emoting that's not to say they're not feeling in fact often they're feeling things so intensely right yeah exactly like i mentioned on the show that i have trouble showing emotion but i can still feel it but i have trouble showing it and like controlling them there's loads of people think that autistic people have no emotions like they're like stone-faced you know like sheldon cooper like when they're very Mm -hmm. blunt and they don't really feel anything. Yeah. And it, that's not the case at all. And it's, um, I think people are realizing now that it's not the case. I know it was a very, very heavy misconception. I know it's very, very popular. But people, that's what people thought. And that's what I thought for a while. Because, um, you know, oh, I'm autistic. I can't have emotion. I shouldn't show emotion. I can't have emotion. And it was sort of like, I have trouble with it. But like, yeah, and you see, everyone on a spectrum is so different because mm-hmm. nothing spe- is a spectrum. Like, no one is the same. And you, you find people who are very, very emotional who will um, wear, like, Nahana fleas and, you know, and those people who hide away in their emotions who won't, who who just will have a stone face on. And I could say it's so different for everyone. But... Obviously, no, I like misconceptions and stereotypes about autistic people. That people autistic people, um, obviously, like you said, kind of emotions and are bad at social cues, and that they don't really think. And it's just, yeah, a lot of harmful ones. But I think now people are realizing what autism really is, yeah, and how broad it is. And yeah, and yeah, I feel like love on the spectrum was a big reason for that it was the representation i think that people hadn't seen before i think it's like rain man would be the a big thing that people would cite as their knowledge of uh that media uh there's another show in canada i forget what it's called there's a a guy uh he's a doctor do you know that the the good doctor it's called the good doctor i don't think that the the actor who plays that man is on the spectrum i was wondering what are your thoughts 
on, yeah, I don't think, I believe he's from England, but I, I don't think he's on the spectrum. And I was curious, what is your thought on representation of autistic people in the media? And how do you feel about an actor who's not necessarily autistic playing a role like that? I think because in the art, if they can play it well and they can play it with authentic, I can't say that word, but like if they're authentic mm-hmm. and uh, they, they understand autism and they have been coaching on it, I think it's all right. But there's a lot of people who want only autistic people to play autistic characters, which I understand. And it will, you know, I think that's a good idea, like um, autistic people playing autistic characters. But at the end, end of the day, like, they are actors and like if a non-autistic person plays an autistic person like if they play really really well and very convincingly and they have um been um coach and they do understand what autism is and what it, i think it's all right because i know that a lot more autistic people are being cast now because um one of my friends chloe hayden um, he's been cast as um, a Coley as an autistic character and he's autistic in the new Heartbreak High. Oh, I that's cool. He's in that one. So he's, I think, he's um, a Coley, like he's one of the main people and he's autistic and been cast as autistic lead and that's pretty big and atypical because uh, um, they had autistic actors but they weren't the lead. They were just like the background characters and the so main person I think Sam was um a um he was neurotypical playing a neurodiverse neurodiverse character and that caused a bit of a place but he did it quite well Mm -hmm. but before love on the spectrum and in the last few years was there a movie that you saw growing up when you were like that's me that's a great representation Mm -hmm. that inspires me not quite sure so um I'm a I'm, um, I think I was like nine, ten, like one of um at school, and we watched what's um what's eating Gilbert Gilbert um grape, and they had this autistic character, and it and um he was say, I I go say he, um I remember watching it, and people were like, oh, that's what an autistic person is, and it, and that sort of like made me a bit upset because I think I knew I was autistic at that time, and just seeing someone being portrayed as Nat and we're being compared to it because I wasn't like Nat at all. Right. And there's a lot of controversy about that. About, uh, have you seen it? Yes, uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio played that yeah. role. Correct, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. They, because they, uh, a lot, and a lot of people thought he was actually autistic. That's the thing. Like, I remember he was on the red carpet and people were really shocked he wasn't like who he was on screen. But yeah, that was sort of like, that made me be upset because I thought that was how an autistic, the autistic person should be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm not like that. I can't be autistic. You know, that, that's not me. But like, then that's like, but I was at an age where, oh, yeah, I don't know, I'm just rambling. But I didn't know that autism was like a phase, my first thing. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. that was the first bit of autism I've seen in the media. I thought, everyone has to be like this. Right. I'm not autistic. I'm autistic, so I can't be. And on the flip side of that, you never saw something where you're like, this nails it. This is how I'm feeling. This is me. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, because I can't recall. No. I couldn't recall any, to be honest. Like even yeah. Gilbert Grape, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I actually forgot about that. I didn't know Leonardo DiCaprio was actually playing an autistic person. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think 
in a lot of roles that we've seen too prior to like Shane said love on the spectrum which seemed to be so great for representation there wasn't enough showing the dynamics of somebody who is on the spectrum in a role right it's like focusing on a couple things that might be stereotypical and it doesn't show is dynamism a word i want to say that what dynamic yeah but like dynamic you know it what I mean? might be <laughs> but it doesn't show the dynamics of mm. your personality and your brain and your mind and what you experience what, what day to day just the very few representations that oh, we I have see. in the medium yeah it doesn't show how dynamic somebody like chloe is and that's what i think love on the spectrum and having people like you put yourselves out there you know whether you want to be a role model or not you know you sign up for a dating show but you've kind of found yourself in that position. Do you have yeah. people like young, younger people or older people, whatever, on the spectrum, kind of like reaching out to you as a role model? Yeah, I think they do. I get quite a um, few messages of people asking for like advice and saying that they resonate with me and they have like someone on like a daughter or someone on the spectrum and they want a bit of advice. And um, I get quite a lot of messages. So I try to get through them all. Like, I have, I could say it's really, I wasn't expecting the amount of messages I get. Like, I get loads. <laughs> I think I have about like 600. <laughs> and I can't get, I feel so bad because I can't get through them all. But I try and get through like most of them. The people that do ask for advice and all that, I try and get to. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, because they get very overwhelming. <laughs> now, me and my wife here, Alex, we met online through Tinder. Since we met, she became an influencer. But I hear your prospects open up quite a bit once you do have a social media phone. Are there pros and cons to that? The floodgates, for lack of a better term, opening up in terms of dating options uh, once the show came out. Yeah, because I, um, I got a lot of um, people um, showing interest, like um, message me on social media. I had a, I had a marriage proposal. Mm. <laughs> what? Oh, um, someone was like. When's the wedding? Pardon? When's the wedding? I don't know, but Nathan, I'll, I'll, we'll fly you out to America if you get back to me. I'll just like... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's flattering. I think but... Bit... but yeah, and they were like, I only want to marry you and all that. I'll pay for your flight to get married in America. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Would you ever go out with somebody, if they are from Australia or your area, your city, like from online, would you ever kind of risk that, like not knowing somebody and doing the blind date thing? Yeah, like I'm open to try anything, but like with that, with being like online, being on um, blind date, you have to be very careful because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are not who they say and mm-hmm. people who have like um, nefarious and bad intentions. So you, you have to be like on alert and you have to be a bit mindful. And when you do go on, like, do date online, and especially when you meet up with someone you don't know, because then that is a very, it's very, especially if you're a female, it's very, very dangerous. And there's a lot of people, not like case like sex trafficking and like murder cases. And I think you know, like when you're dating on, online, you want it to be like um this like amazing thing, pure thing, like this beautiful love thing. But there's always you always have to kind of doubt. But I think once you the person and it turns out they know all right. I mean, that sort of goes away, but like the initial meeting, there's always a bit of worry. Yeah. 
Uh, no, absolutely. And I think that is so important, especially for women. Like, I, I don't talk to, you know, Shane or any of my male friends, and they don't have stories where they're like, oh, yeah, I, you know, carried my keys like this through my knuckles, or mm-hmm. I was thinking about this or had like the second if I was ever going into a date, I'd kind of like plan my escape route if I needed to get out and yeah. I'd find the exits and make note in my head. But men don't have the same. You have like um, your friend or like the teeth on speed dial, like you thought like mm-hmm. are you already ready and like if anything happened, call it. And yeah. like I'll share my chin and be like, look, I'm there. Yeah. I'm always scared, but uh, so I'm a bit of an exception. I do do the key thing, but I know it's like tenfold what you have to go through. So I'm not trying to say I'm in the same boat. But in, in, speaking of planning and things like that in love, uh, for me, too, I, I think I was a bit not the most typical person uh, for males because I kind of planned out by the time I'm 30, I want to be in a relationship that is uh, marriage like headed towards marriage, I want to have two kids, etc. And I really was trying to make that happen because that's so important to me, finding the right partner, having kids was important to me. For you, are you just on this wave of life and letting it happen as it comes? Or are you? do you have a goal in terms of how you see your life and love and children and all that sort of thing? Yeah, I don't really have a plan. I like to like, um, live life as it comes. Like I'm not I don't like plans and this and all that. I think it's just too much. Like if I make a plan, I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do it. It's only just learning. So I just thought, just go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And I get on. I'm very like chaotic, like that. Like I'm very chaotic. No, I just, I just set things if they come. Like I don't really have a plan, and it's sort of like, um, I I might end up married. I might not end up married. I might have kids. I might not have kids. But I just let life decide. You know. I'll just go and figure out when it gets there. But at the moment, I have like no plans. And yeah, that's interesting because uh, from what I've learned, a lot of people who are considered neurotypical they like to plan a lot. And if things yeah. deviate, that that can be upsetting, and frustrating. Is is it like that for you in your day to day life? Um, a little bit because um, there's sometimes if there's like a really big change, that's when I thought of panic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, I don't like change. I can't do change. But like, other than that, I I don't really like schedules. I don't like lists. And you know, I I'll give it. I'm very different to like very typical um, autistic person. Like, um, there's because it's very stereotypical that people spend plans and they have that, that every minute of the day scheduled. And I, say, I do know people on spectrum who are like that. Jimmy's like that, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sinead's not. I think it's. Sinead's not as well, but I think more of a male trait, but there are females who I know who are very, very like that. And I was curious, would you have any piece of advice or anything that you've learned that might be handy for a young person who's maybe neurodiverse navigating the dating scene? Because you've like not only been going through it, but you've been going through it on a public big scale yeah, so i'd I say know. that you <laughs> you have unique experience may obviously like don't go um on tv for your first day <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I didn't but i had people who did and it was a lot for them like they want to show and like date like going on a first date is hard enough but having like the cameras there and like no walking your face like it's very very 
difficult. Oh, first day, like, just be yourself. Like, don't mark it. Like, be yourself and just be true to you. And, like, don't feel like you have to pretend. Mm-hmm. Like, just go. Because the white person will come along and I'll like you for you. Like, it's a lot easier, like, to mask and pretend to be someone you're not and put on, like, um, like a smile and, um, like, push all um, your um, autistic traits and write down. It's a lot easier to do that, but like, you're never going to find the right person. And if you keep pretending and put, putting on a mask, that when that person finds out you're autistic, it's going to be a big thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, when we started the interview, you were talking about how a lot of reality shows are fake, scripted, the the producers have their hands in a lot. I found that interesting because a lot of people I know, they think all the storylines are so real and they get so invested in them. Were you, had you watched a lot of reality shows before you entered yours? Is that how you knew that? And if so, what was your favorite one? My favorite, yeah, TV show. Um, to be honest, I, I didn't really like reality TV. Oh, I'll My sisters do, and they love reality TV, and they love, love Iron and Bachelor. I was never, I, well, not hate watched it, but I watched it and I was like, yeah, this isn't real. I'm like, yeah that scripted, that fake, you know, I kind of knew, like, it wasn't. Yeah, you can always tell, right? Yeah. My sisters, they believe in it, and they're like, oh, my God, the bedrooms are lying, they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, and they love each other on it, fighting, and, yeah. I tried to get in love. I watched, like, 10 minutes, I'm like, yeah, nah. That's as much as we watched. We watched, like, 10 minutes of it the other day, and I... I Which one? Love Island. Oh, yes, yes, right? Love Island. <laughs> And I had never seen it before. And it was a lot. That's all I'm going to say. It was like a lot. Yeah. It really made me wish, like, I was like, oh, I wish we had another season of Love on the <laughs> Spectrum. You know, the producers, how many seasons are they thinking of doing of this show? And when's the next one coming out? So I think they're going to do another season of the US one. Okay. I'm not, um, they're currently casting for um, a different show in Australia. Australia so it's the same um company but i think it's a different reality tv show i think it's um it's about all like people with all sorts of disabilities so they're going to stand it a bit but i'm not quite sure if they're going to make another season of love and spectrum um australia but you just have to wait and see well chloe if they ever do and you're on it uh we will be the first ones watching and okay <laughs> and I want to know, do you do you have social media, a website? Where can people that are listening to our podcast, if they're like, Chloe's what was one of my favorites too, or they're just meeting you from this interview, where can they go to follow along with your storyline? Um, if they um I have an Instagram, so Dak Pom Pom X. Um I'm fairly active on that one. I do have a Twitter, but I hardly ever use it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, so um if you want to send, if anyone wants to send me a message or ask for advice, um, send me a message and I'll try um, to get back to you as quick as I can. That's awesome. Yeah. And Chloe, with all those messages, I'm so happy that you answered mine and were able yes. to join us today. I'm starstruck, to be honest. I was quite <laughs> oh, nervous. Yeah. Like you saw Alex just fumble the microphone the second you came up. We were a little like, whoa, it's a big <laughs> it's guest. True. Yeah. It's true. But Chloe, seriously, thank you so much for your time. It was really a pleasure speaking with you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. And what's the time over there for you? Right now it's a, it's 8.53 p.m. 
on oh. on Sunday. Yes, it's Sunday, Sunday here. It's, what do you got? It's ten fifty-three um, a.m. on a Monday here for me. You're right. in the Nearly future. 11- wow, that's so Fun. weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, Very but Chloe, cool. really, thank you so so much, and um, I'll shoot you a message when we release it. Oh yeah. Um, looking forward to it but thank you very much for having me i had a lot of fun and i hope you have the um great rest of your night thank you yeah. you have a great morning <laughs> <All right. laughs> bye chloe bye good job at the end rough beginning good, good ending <laughs> thank you i'm talking to me too as you should okay now this is a segment where you take listener questions and you answer them mm-hmm. so the first question it's called the mailbag segment the first question of the uh, mailbag segment of the mailbag segment is trying to brand it. It's an interesting one. Let's hear it. It's a controversial one. Okay, just get to it. If you were hiring a nanny, would you ever hire a hot nanny, or is that really a no-no? So you know, when you think of the nanny thing, like we were talking about this the other day because we were watching that old Woodstock '99 documentary, and Gavin Rossdale comes on with Bush, and I was like, oh, why did him and Gwen break up? And you're like. Didn't he fool around with the nanny? And I was like, well, wasn't that Jude Law? It was both of them. And Wait, he fooled around with Jude Law? Wait, <laughs> Jude Law was his nanny? <laughs> so, this is insane. When Gavin Rossdale was married to Gwen Stefani, Jude Law to Sienna Miller, and Ben Affleck to Jennifer Garner, all three of those men cheated with the nanny. Mm-hmm. Right? The- Same with uh, Arnold's. Right. And he had a child with the nanny. Right. Did his family break apart because of that? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And it wasn't a hot nanny. Well, people have different perceptions, right? Oh, I know. But I'm just saying I don't feel like there's any perception where this could have been a hot nanny. Well, it's like the Seinfeld episode where George in- intentionally hires an unattractive to him secretary so that he won't be attracted to her. But then he ends up being so attracted to her. Yeah, that woman was very attractive. She though, was so. attractive, I know. Yes. But anyway, so I was looking this up. I was like... Is there anything scientific? Because I was trying to look at it without getting like emotion or just insecurity involved. So there's a 1995 article in American Sociological Review. The risk of marriage dissolution is highest where either wives or husbands encounter an abundance of spousal alternatives. In other words, the likelihood of divorce increases when there are more opportunities to cheat. No shit. That's not a surprise. So I guess if the other opportunity or spousal alternative is in the house constantly, then it is just increasing the chances. So I was thinking about it and I was like, would I have a problem with a hot nanny? And obviously it would come down first and foremost to not only qualification, but qualifications obviously up there, but then my comfort level with the person, do I connect with them? Do my kids connect with them? Because you can connect with anybody no matter how they look or not connect with them. And you are talking about a female. Yes, yes. You Would you hire a hot male nanny? Well, I was going to ask you that. Mm, I don't know. Like, I was like, okay, like, what What would be the type? I was like, thing like pool boy type. Do you know who Maluma is? That's a man? Yeah. No. Okay, so this is Maluma. So, like, I was trying to think of, like, what the equivalent of, like, the hot nanny would be. So, like, if we hired, like, Maluma as the hot male nanny would you be okay with that just men in general i don't know with yeah i don't know i feel like you never hear i maybe sometimes you do like abusive 
uh, female nannies, but I feel like the percentages are just so much higher in men that I have a distrust. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that's right, but that's well, my uh, genuine opinion. So maybe, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess I'd give everyone a fair shot and just do like fact checks mm-hmm. or police, police checks, checks yeah. and, and fact checks. No, but yeah, I think personally it comes down to qualification, but that even comes second to connection with the person. Um, and I think, you know, people, you know, they say, oh, I don't want to hire a hot nanny, but it, it has less to do with, I think, them being worried that like the nanny is going to come in and take over their life. And it has more to do with their own insecurities and being living with somebody every day that makes them feel insecure about themselves. And I think that's very valid. At the same time, I don't think it's right, but I do think that's valid and that it's something that they should maybe take and say, okay, like, how can I work on this? You know what I mean? I think, too, if you're worried about being tempted, set a precedent of being like mildly repulsive early. So then, because it's a two-way street, right? Yeah. So the nanny's not attracted to you. So you just come home, you're like, ah, I just took a fucking shit. <laughs> and the nanny's like, excuse me? Be like, oh, sorry. I'm just so stinky from my poo-poo. And then the nanny, you do that like five times. You don't have to worry about any sexual tension. I think that's so smart. It's funny because in my research for this topic, I came across an article. It was a court case. And a man fired his secretary because he was starting to feel attraction towards her. And he fired her because he didn't want it to interfere negatively with his marriage. And then the secretary, I think rightly sued him for looks-based discrimination or gender-based discrimination. The court case went all the way to the, uh, the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court sided with the man because he was doing it to keep his marriage and family intact. Mm. And it was like it was an interesting it was an interesting there ruling. Has to be more to that story. Oh, I know. I read the Coles notes, babe. I okay. was I was prepping like between bedtime and before podcast time, you know? Yeah, I know like the Supreme Court isn't always <laughs> living up to its name, but that just seems like an odd decision. No, it was interesting. I know. Okay. I Everything implore everyone it. to actually look it up and get back to Alex and I. So the next question. Is there anything you wish that you learned as a child to make it easier as an adult, such as a language or skiing? Oh, I wish I knew a second language fluently as sure, a kid. Yeah, I'm just, I don't have the brain for languages. I, I think it's actually impossible for me to learn another language. I think you'd be okay if you actually... Can't. I have too many... No, I do. I no, bet I, I have ADHD. It's, a, it's the worst thing for mm-hmm. learning things. Yeah, no, I, I wish I learned a language and... I wish I was like more competent than I am at an instrument. Like I can diddle around on a guitar, like I know chords, but I wish I was better. Mm -hmm. You know, what about you? Do I wish I was better at an instrument? No, anything like skiing. Like, Yeah, I wish I was better at everything. I can't do a lot of things. Did you ever like quit something as a kid that your parents got you into that you regret? No, I like quitting. <laughs> Soccer, like <laughs> karate. Where's the fucking nunchucks and pizza? I wanted to be a ninja turtle, and karate was boring as hell. Oh, just all those hakas, katas, katas. Oh, the worst. Got my sister into it. She got a black belt. But what's the point of that black belt? I could still whoop my sister's butt if I wanted. To. <laughs> but she has the craziest kick I've ever seen in real life. Yeah, if she caught me with a good kick, it, yeah, it she'd could knock, knock your head off. Mm-hmm. The next question. What are some tips to help a child overcome the fear of water in a pool and learn how to swim? Before I get to the actual tip, Shane, what do you think would be a good idea? Just parent. Is it, it going to say throw your kid in the pool? 
That wasn't anything I wrote down. Okay. What what would I do? Yeah. To make them not afraid? Mm-hmm. I think Submersive you're, fit therapy. <laughs> Submersive, so throw them in. Well, early, young, yeah. get them in the pool, get them used to water. Yeah, it's funny because immersion, gradual immersion is one of the points that I wrote down. So like get them used to three inches of water in like a little kiddie pool and then get them into like a very shallow lake and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. Another one is to have fun equipment. Like Lucy's favorite color is pink. Go out, buy pink goggles, pink water wings, get her favorite character on them, all that stuff. So they're just like pumped. Like Lucy will do anything if it's pink. She'll mm. get into literally, there was a pink garbage truck that we saw at the toy store the other day. And she's like, oh, I need that garbage truck. And she's never had an interest in like garbage truck toys before, but she needed that one. Um, so do that, get them pumped that way. And then get them one-on-one lessons with a professional. Sometimes it can be easier. And I find this even as an adult to learn something from somebody that isn't close to you because like you have less fear of failing, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't care what they think. And I think that little kids have that innate fear too kind of or they're just so comfortable with you that they know that if they're like oh i don't want to do this you'll take them out of the situation but that's good and actually fear of like water even in bath time situations is a very common phobia for toddlers it's called a blutophobia hmm. very common see i i was always scared of the water but then once i got in that tub i never wanted to leave you're still the same i know when's the last time i had a tub bath like like three weeks ago. I'm not saying that you do it all the time. I'm just saying like you appreciate a long bath and I appreciate that because I appreciate a long bath. No, you miss me when I'm in there. Well, I do go to hang. Mm-hmm. Do you like it when I come to hang for your bath? It's... You seem like you do. When did I seem like that? Anytime I've literally ever come in the bath when you were taking a bath, you're like happy to see me in there and then you'll put on a podcast or something. We listen to Shit Town, S-Town that during was a series of baths. Five years ago. <laughs> Don't act like you come in and we listen to podcasts together in the tub. That does not happen. Well, we did because you were having butt problems. So you were taking daily baths. Yes. There was a lot of factors that went into it. I'm just trying to make you sound gross for mm -hmm. any prospective nannies. I had butthole focused anxiety, which was exacerbating my symptoms. And that's an actual thing for those ones. Um, anyway, (laughs) the next question, who is the first to say that I'm sorry in an argument? I know who this is, obviously. Okay, on the count of three. You're going to say your answer on the count of three, right? Yeah. One, two, three. Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What's your problem? What do you mean why? What's my problem? Why aren't you saying sorry first sometimes? Well, you were doing egregious acts. No, Shane, but when I'm not and when you are in the wrong. Wait, wait, wait. This just jumped from... I thought the question was... Who, who was the first to say sorry yeah, in our entire relationship? Oh, no. I mean, like... What's the question? Who is the first to say sorry in an argument, generally speaking? Oh, it can be me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's happened. It's been me. For sure. And don't act like you're some big sorry person because you're I not. I am a big sorry person. I say sorry. You're a sorry person, all right, but not in that way. You're not. I assure you, you're not. You don't hear me when I want. Like you, you, you hear me, but it goes in one ear and out the other, and then you keep going with your points. Things can't even go in your ears, Shane. They can't. You have a hearing problem. <laughs> <laughs> what you do? Okay, next. I wish it went in your ears, Shane. What is the best thing and the worst thing about having your own podcast? 
I think the answer is the same thing. Okay, let's see if we can say it at the same time. <laughs> Okay. One, two, three. Having Doing to it. do them. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. No, because it's great. Like tonight, I'm actually having so much fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like super nice, you know, especially Shane having been away to sit here and just have an actual conversation where you have to listen and you have to contribute something. And it's nice. But then also before every single podcast, it's like, I just want to watch TV. Like, I don't want to do this tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's not enough hours in a day to really do a podcast. There is if you're doing a podcast three times a year and then it's this like novel thing or whatever. But when you have to do it and it's an obligation, it's like having a bath and being four. (laughs) You don't want to get in. But once you get in, you don't want to leave. Oh, it's nice. But we do have to leave, Shane. And that is Mm. our last question. So with that, guys, go give us a five-star rating. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to leave a comment, we'd appreciate that even more. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you like about it. But, folks, have a lovely rest of your day or night. And thank you so much for listening to This this Family Family Tree Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 140.